Hello and welcome to Stick to Football. Sam Ty from BR Football Ranks here. And today we're talking the lot. College football, NFL. We are live from O'Neill's in Carnaby Street in London. We're watching Red Zone. We're with the fans, the gathering. So much on the agenda today. Matt Miller and Connor Rogers are with me. Hello, gents. How are you? Hello. And our fans are so confused right now. Why is there an Englishman welcoming you to the show? It's because we're in London talking college football. We stayed up all night to watch college. We're watching NFL, our, our amazing host of O'Neill's, and the incomparable Sam with the opener there. It was pretty impressive. And we're having a good time. Good turnout. Uh, really packed house. There's a lot going on. You're going to hear a lot of background noise because we are at O'Neill's and it is NFL Sunday while we do this. But we have a lot to catch up on from the weekend because a lot happened in college football. But Sam, before you go, you should tell everyone how they can listen to your podcast every week uh, on Bleacher Report. What do you mean before I go? I've replaced you as host. Oh, okay. Never, He's I, not going anywhere. I'll just go drink pints, yeah, as you say, I, yeah, and you take my job. That'd be yeah, great. This, no, I've had, unfortunately for you guys, I've had a message, a communication from the higher-ups. I'm in now. You guys Who's are out? out? We're you, both out. Well, Connor's out for sure. <laughs> Connor's yeah. Sam does have good hair. I hate that it's like this. Connor's definitely out. Matt's on, Matt's on Madden, so he stays. <laughs> but Connor's out. So, Connor, if, you, if I take your, just take your seat a second, please. Thank you. That's all right. Uh, I'll keep drinking right. Camden's, and uh, I'll just scoot on right. over to It'll the be fine. Anyway, enjoy the show, guys. Thank you for having us, man. This, uh, we're in their backyard. We'll be doing the show from uh, BR's London office tomorrow, so that's going to be a great time. Uh, but, yeah, it, there's a lot of background noise, and we're having a lot of fun here. In London at O'Neill's on Carnaby Street, where you can actually watch some NFL football, which is, as we have found, hard to do in London. But because we're the best, we stayed up all night to watch college football for you guys. And that's where we want to start the show, Connor. College football, there are a lot of shakeups this week. Oklahoma lost. Texas lost again. Ohio State rolls. LSU rolls and is now ranked number one overall. Alabama wins despite Tua being out. Clemson answers a little bit. A lot of action on Saturday. There was a lot of action. I think uh, Notre Dame got steamrolled by Michigan in a One game. One of us called that. In a That's game that I, 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 it out. I laughed that it was a pick and I guess there was good reasons why. Uh, not, a, not a good loss for Brian Kelly there and a much-needed win for Michigan. And I think you look at what happened this weekend. The big thing that we have to start with is probably Oklahoma because when you start making your college football playoff, predictions as the weeks go on you sit there and you go well if Oklahoma wins out and wins the Big 12 that's going to be the team in the playoff right right. now with that kind of loss yes on the road against a team with a very tough defense but Oklahoma's defense did not show up at all I think this really is going to have implications on what our final four is going to look like I think so too buddy because um, Oklahoma can still win the Big 12 and they can still make the playoff but it's getting harder because I actually think we see a world in where two SEC teams make it because we're going to be there in two weeks when Alabama plays LSU. I feel like the loser of that game gets in because you're probably going to have a one-loss SEC team. Don't forget, Georgia's only lost one game and is likely to be in the SEC championship too. So this is bad news for the Big 12. It's bad news for Oklahoma because that one loss to an unranked Kansas State, this isn't a loss to an LSU or to a ranked opponent. This is an ugly loss when you talk about the CFP rankings, which are going to come out next month. Right now, I mean, in the top 25, it's LSU, it's Ohio State, it's Alabama, and Clemson. There's four undefeated teams, Oklahoma, and Penn State is out there, by the way, still undefeated. You can't can't forget about Penn State. Uh, Penn State has had a phenomenal season, and they're going to almost control their own destiny here. That's the beauty of it if you're a Nittany Lions fan. Did you see the Chip Kelly quote about that? I did not. Destiny cannot be controlled. 
He had like this whole rant. Super woke. Like this interstellar, like destiny by nature cannot be controlled. So. And, and by the way, I cannot figure out. I don't want to get too deep into it. This Arizona State team. No idea. They will lose to anyone and they will beat anyone. And uh, that's why you play to win the game. But anyways, right. I, I mean, in all, in all honesty here, when you look at how this is stacked up, Clemson, I know a lot of people are upset that they haven't played very well, but guess what? Everything is so weak in the ACC and how their schedule is set up. If they don't lose a game, they're in the playoff because they won the national title last year, and that's just how this thing goes. Your point about two SEC teams, yeah, without a doubt. Should L- be, right? LSU has passed how many tests now, whether it's Auburn, Florida, All of Texas. The list goes on and on. And I know you make fun of your own Texas team, but LSU went to Austin and won the game, and that means something. I know Georgia got written off because of an awful loss, but we can't even write out Georgia one, completely. Not for one loss. No, you can't. You can't. And, and they beat Notre Dame, who now Notre Dame is well out of the picture thanks to a second loss here. At the end of the day, this thing is wide open. I, I do agree with you that two SEC teams will be in. Both of those teams are probably going to be playing when we're there right. at Tuscaloosa on the quad, which is going to be a lot of fun. Cannot Once again, wait. we're going to have a surprise guest there. I'm not giving it away because I want everyone there to be excited. The surprise guest is someone who you're going to want their autograph, though. Oh, like, what, you as a human being, uh, not our listeners. Like, I'm genuinely excited. It's not Joe and Namath. I, and I don't get like that all the time. I will say that. It's it not is, Joe Namath. It is not Joe Namath, but... The way the college football landscape is right now, I think in a way it's almost as fun as I've ever seen it because yeah. there's so many fun stories. Look at Baylor and Minnesota right now. Baylor's still undefeated, Minnesota's still undefeated. And those two coaches, Matt Rule at Baylor and P.J. Fleck at Minnesota, are going to get a lot of talk when this season's over, whether that's a Power 5 job or an NFL job. Without we a doubt. We saw Matt Rule interview last year. I think we see both those guys get a, a lot of talk. But um, before we jump in to our second segment... I just want to I want to talk a little bit about some of the games, some of our predictions from the Friday show. Um, Mello was right about Clemson beating Boston College by thirty four and a half. I will have a mustache when we get home from London. But I felt like you guys did not believe me when I said Michigan was going to beat Notre Dame. I had no reason to. I didn't believe myself, but they did. And so I'm very happy about that. Sometimes you just got to roll the dice and pretend like you actually have faith in it. Just put your nuts on the table. It's not cutting time. That's all you can say about that. That was a gigantic win. There was a lot of big wins this week, and we're going to be talking about everything this week. Uh, We're going to be doing the midweek show from the London office, and that'll be recapping everything NFL, NFL draft related. Right. So that'll come out Wednesday as always. The video will look a little different because we're in a new space, and I think it's going to be really exciting. Yeah, I can't wait. Um, I don't know how people from London dress, but I'm going to try to dress like I a— think they dress like us. Maybe a little so. more style. A little more style, as you heard in the opener with Sam, because it's just—it's classy over here. I will say, uh, I've never been to London before, and I am shocked at the hospitality. It is like being in the South. It's like being back in Baton Rouge. Yeah, I mean, people are incredibly nice. Uh, they, everyone's been awesome to us. Later in the show, our guy Adam Lefko is going to join for some draft on draft questions. So that's going to be a good time. But let's take our first break. We come back. We're going to give you our $100 handshakes. And we have a legitimate defense for Heisman to talk about. All right, we're back at O'Neill's on Carnaby Street. It is, uh, it's hot in here. I'll give it that because we have packed the bar with the amazing six football listeners, the awesome 33 percenters of the Lefko show. We got a good thing going here tonight. Uh, and we appreciate everybody that came out. And again, like Connor said, we will be in Tuscaloosa in two weeks on the quad for LSU-Alabama, which is starting to look like the game of the century. LSU is now ranked number one. And we were like, just don't trip against Auburn, and this game is going to be electric. Alabama took care of business against Arkansas without Tua. And, and college football, 
other than Oklahoma losing, we're kind of where we expected to be. And that's where we can start giving out some $100 handshakes this week. And I'm going to beat you to the punch on this one. Chase Young, with four sacks on Saturday against Wisconsin, gets a million-dollar handshake. He should be, I believe, with Tua Hurt, with Jalen Hurts losing a game, I believe Chase Young should be your Heisman frontrunner when you wake up on Monday morning. We should be talking about Chase Young, who has a chance to set the Ohio State single-season sack record. He has a chance to set the Ohio State career sack record as basically a two-year starter. What this guy's doing, he's the number one player in the draft. He's the number one player in college football, and I'm not going to listen to anything else. It's pretty simple right now, Matt. I mean, he's the best prospect in this draft class. You could put it as in ink, as you always say. But the more important thing is here, this guy is the best college football player in the country, and if the Heisman Trophy Award is about who the best player in the country is, and he's not even invited. We should riot. The award is a fraud. We should make our own and give it to him if that happens. That's my problem, is that we got to start redefining what the Heisman Trophy is. Is it the best player on the best team? Is it the best quarterback? He might be the best player on the best team. Is it the best skill player (laughs) on the best team? Because, yeah, Chase Young might be the best player on the best team. I mean, he's going to win the Bednarik, the, the Lombardi, the Outland. But he deserves the Heisman. Four sacks against Wisconsin. Like, this was not Tulane. I mean, it's October. It's not even Halloween yet. And he's deep into double-digit sack territory. He's already hit double-digit sacks. Right. What, like, let's, the viewers want to know, what does he have to do to get realistic consideration? I've always said 20-plus sacks. I, I agree. Last year, Josh Allen had 18-and-a-half, I think, and didn't get it. I, I saw Mello tweet. That, that Chase Young is the best defensive player he's seen since Indomitian Sue. And I agree with that. Sue actually got Heisman votes. So I, I feel like maybe there's a precedent there. I also think it helps that Tua was hurt. Jalen Hurts' team lost. Joe Burrow is probably going to get an invite, though. And so it's just, it comes down to an ugly game. How much are Heisman voters, how smart are Heisman voters? Because I really felt like they messed up last year. So how educated is this group of a 1,000 people voting on this? The most prestigious award in all of American football, basically. And the people voting don't watch a lot of college football. I think they're simply too traditional. The award has become wrapped up in who the quarterback or running back is on the team that's probably going to win the national title game or be predicted to win the national title game. And I want to interject and, and transition there. Jonathan Taylor is no longer being invited to New York. Yesterday, struggling against Ohio State, J.K. Dobbins was the better running back on the field. Not the better draft prospect, but the better running back. Wisconsin being a one-loss team, Jonathan Taylor getting shut down yesterday, his Heisman hopes are gone. And that might not be fair, but it's how this award works. Yeah, which is amazing because I saw one of our listeners, and I apologize that I can't remember who it was, tweeted us, if you had to put someone in the College Football Hall of Fame right now, who would it be? And it's it Jonathan, be Jonathan Taylor. Taylor. He's gonna have six thousand. He has six thousand yards. So it, it's tricky in that way. But the point is, what Chase Young is doing this year is special. I think it's not being talked about enough, almost right now. Yeah, we talk about it on this show every week, but we're not the we're not on television breaking these down, predicting it to that you know ESPN kind of audience. And I think it's a shame to. It's almost wrongfully selling the viewers something like. Yeah. Sure, Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts. That's great. Fine. But Chase Young is the better football player. This guy who I, I compared him, I said on the Friday show, I compared him to Khalil Mack. 
he's that good of a prospect and he's not getting enough love because he's a pass rusher. So hopefully we can uh, convince some people that he deserves more love and that that needs changed. Uh, another $100 handshake for me, I have to call out our guy Chris Kleeman, who goes from North Dakota State to K-State. Every man a wildcat, baby, taking down the Oklahoma Sooners in honestly one of the biggest surprises of the season for me. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, you look at what this team did just the outside run game against Oklahoma, and there's been a lot of praise towards Oklahoma's front seven this year, how much better they've been, the defensive ends. Uh, K-State had no problem getting the ground attack going to the outside against that team yesterday, and that was really the defining uh, way of upsetting Oklahoma at home like that. And one game uh, that we, I believe, all picked USC in this one, USC beats Colorado, and Michael it was two Pittman. receivers that stole the show. Michael Pittman. LaVisca Chenault had a very good game in this yeah, he one. Did. But those receivers took over. Michael Pittman Jr., he's so physical. And he's just so impressive. We're sitting here watching DK Metcalf. And I don't think Pittman's going to run that well. But it's like these two are built very similarly where they might just be too powerful for a lot of NFL corners. I mean, they have fullback-style bodies. That's what's absolutely insane when you look at they're playing the wide receiver position, and they look like tight ends. So uh, I do want to give a shout-out you know, to a couple different people that step up. Two running backs, Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, obviously had good weekends overall. Um, and, and it's good and to hear that Najee's ankle injury is not going to be That's the most important thing. Yep. I, I think if Najee could stay healthy, it's when you have that upright running style, when you're six foot two at running back, you're going to get dinged up like that. We've seen him with a lot of taller backs in the past, but I, I'm really excited what Najee can do at the next level from what we've seen him taking full opportunity this year. Yeah, and a couple under-the-radar people to call out. Shane Bichelle, who was a Texas transfer, goes to SMU. It's been unbelievable. undefeated Unreal. right now. So, I mean, yeah, so we talk about Baylor, Minnesota, they're undefeated. So is SMU, who's ranked number 19 right now. They're 8-0 for the first time since they were paying Craig James and Eric Dickerson to play football there. That's absolutely absurd. Which is illegal. And another player, honestly, that needs some love after one of the best runs we've seen all year after the catch, Tylen Wallace. He ran over about four people on the way so, to the end zone. Actually, I had a lot of people tweet me that. Was it a great run or was that shitty tackling? Well, it's always both. This tackle, one guy killed himself. Yes. He like tried to make the tackle and he's just like prone on the field. That's also just like, that's Big 12 tackling. I was going to say. Two guys hit you and neither wrap up. Every time I post a CD Lamb highlight, people go, that's bad tackling. I'm like, well, then why is CD doing this every single fucking game? CD Lamb is unreal. He's just, he's just unreal. And we were talking to some guys uh, here at O'Neill's earlier. They were like, what do you think about CD Lamb? It's like, I want to control the narrative. This man is going to run in the four fives, but it shouldn't matter because he's that good at football. Like, let's let's just be aware of what he is and that he's really, really good at football, regardless of what he's going to run in a 40. Without, I mean, we've seen this so many times, Matt. And you look at what Cortland Sutton has been doing recently for Denver. He's had a great second season. He ran a four five five right around there. Not everybody is, and he's bigger, but not everybody's going to be a blazer on the track. But your on-field speed, if you have enough... You'll be fine. I mean, you go back to it every time. Your favorite player of all time, Jerry Rice, he wasn't out there burning anyone on a track. No, on a no, football field, I think he was just fine. Yeah, definitely wasn't. A lot of great college football on Saturday. A lot of people that deserve highlighting. Like you said, we're going to dive into more of an NFL draft focus on the Wednesday morning show when we're not in a super loud pub trying to watch the Red Zone channel. Yeah, so. screaming over everyone. Right. Left goes here yelling every time the Eagles move an inch. So it's uh, it's loud in the background. 
And let's take a break, and we're going to bring the man on himself and get into some of your draft on draft questions. It is draft on draft time, and you'll notice the show sounds different because our files basically uh, shit the bed from O'Neill. So we're, we're trying this again, but it, because we miss all the British accents that we had asking us questions, we brought our guy Sam back in, who did a lovely introduction of the show, and you're just going to read some draft on draft questions for us. It's a real shame that the uh, recording didn't take, huh? Uh, we, I just needed to make sure that everybody heard the luxurious British accent in all of its different guises and forms, but you're just going to have to do or make do with mine. You uh, could do some impersonations, maybe? Uh, not so good at accents, particularly on demand. Uh, did, I would have I needed some, uh, some advance warning on that one. But I've got, I've got the eight questions. Uh, I'm just going to read them out for you guys. Um, so up first, could Joe Burrow catch Tua as QB1? I personally don't think so. And I know there's people that are already saying that maybe he has. I think it's fair to wait until these two teams play against each other, which reminder, stick to football, be there on the quad for that game on November 9th. I think, of course, anybody could catch anybody. We've seen Baker Mayfield go from QB2 to QB1 in the terms of 24 hours that changed that year in that draft. So, of course, he can. For me personally, I like Tua better. I'm more comfortable with Tua. A lot of that is going to come down to the medical situation after seeing him get hurt each of the last two seasons. But I would just say this. I think Tua is a better touch thrower. Uh, I think he's a better um, you know, thrower at all three levels of the field. I know Burrow's done some really nice things with the deep ball this year and, and getting outside the pocket. But at the end of the day, I, I, right now for me, it is Tua QB1. And it would be a surprise if that changed. I think this is a tough question because uh, are you asking if he could catch Tua on my board or could he for the NFL? Well, because, both. Right, for the NFL, absolutely. Anything's yes. possible. Uh, I think it's going to help Joe Burrow that he is a, a, a redshirt senior. He's going to he has a little more experience um, in, in the world, not necessarily on the field. He's going to be able to go to the Senior Bowl where he can really make up a lot of ground. Like you said, we saw Baker Mayfield do that. We saw Josh Allen do that. Josh Allen passed Josh Rosen in that class by going to the Senior Bowl, something I think a lot of people have, uh, have forgotten. So that Senior Bowl bump could be huge for Joe Burrow. So he could absolutely, the Miami Dolphins, the Cincinnati Bengals, as long as there's not coaching turnover there, we would expect one or both those teams to be coaching at the Senior Bowl. So that could absolutely work in Joe Burrow's favor. Now, for me personally, I think the only way that Tua would come off that spot is, and you alluded to this, Connor, is if the injury situation becomes worse than we think it is. And I wrote about this for my scouting notebook that came out Friday morning. There's a belief around the league that Tua is still the best quarterback in the draft. And I agree with that. But at some point, you have to worry about a guy that's been hurt the last two years. So it's just, okay, once you get in there and teams can look at the ankle, which won't happen until the scouting combine, which is late February. So this could be something where it's really late in the process before we have all the information. But until anything changes on that front, too, is going to be my top guy. For all the reasons you mentioned, the touch accuracy is fantastic. The leadership's really good. The mobility is great. He's tough. Uh, it's everything that you would want, except for the fact that he's probably going to be like 6'1", 225, which is a little bit shorter. But... It's a lot bigger than the last two quarterbacks that went first overall. Exactly. Sounds like it's a bit of a lock there. You can't he can't knock off top spot until what February for you right. guys then. Yeah, and then the draft is in late April. So it's like you Joe Burrow has a and everyone else, Justin Herbert as well. There's a limited window to try to to try to make a move. Okay. Well, Joe Burrow clearly a hot topic here because the second question is also about him. And it's do you worry that he is a one year wonder? So I don't, and I, I know that I might be different than a lot of people that, that our listeners are gonna you know, whose content they're gonna consume. I don't worry about it because I actually think Joe Burrow 
Burrow was good last year. It just, he didn't get the hype of Trevor Lawrence or Tua or, or Kyler Murray. But as a first year starter last year in that redshirt junior year at LSU, I thought he played really, really well. We've seen him get better this year with the ascension of Jamar Chase, with Joe Brady now there as the offensive coordinator. I think they have a lot more balance offensively, especially with Clyde the Glide at running back. Like they, they're just a better offensive team. So, of course, Burrow looks better, but. This isn't a Mitchell Trubisky situation where he was like a one-year starter or a Kyler Murray where he was really a one-year starter even though he had bounced around. I think Joe Burrow is going to go to the NFL with you know, 24, 25 starts. Yeah, I don't really have much concern there either. I think when you look at it, there's been people that have talked about Joe Burrow being great for years now. When he got to Ohio State, everybody in Ohio loved this guy. He just unfortunately never won the starting job, which that can be used against him, of course, as an argument. He goes to LSU where he's gone from a solid quarterback last year to a great one this year. And I think you have to look at how he's doing it. And once again, everybody that's been around him, whether it's at camps, whether it's been at spring games or even, you know, obviously during the season, they rave about the character of the player. And I think the physical talent is easily adequate. I don't think it's amazing. He's not going to be somebody like Eason where he's got this ridiculous cannon or somebody like Herbert is better physically. Yeah, of course. And he's not going to be this superb kind of runner as we've seen a couple of the top guys over the last years whether it's Kyler Murray Deshaun Watson they weren't really early and they were superb runners but I think once again as terms of his production this year am I concerned that we've only seen it this one year not really I think age will be something brought up with Burrow and I'm not saying he's old but he's older than your traditional prospects 23 in December exactly so So you're looking at a player that is already older than people like Sam Darnold and Daniel Jones but bigger Mayfield was in a similar similar situation. He went first overall. So I don't think teams will be very beat up over it. All right. Should the Dolphins draft Chase Young at one and then a QB with the Steelers pick? So the Steelers pick would be number 10 overall right now. Um, And so that's risky. I I always have said if you need a quarterback, you have to take the quarterback. But with Chase Young, it's such a difference maker. I mean, he's the best defensive end prospect that I I think I've ever seen. And I know we're maybe getting a little ahead of ourselves, but he would grade out higher for me than both of the Bosa brothers. I think he would grade out higher than me or for me, excuse me, than Miles Garrett. Von Miller has always been the, the one guy that I say, like, that was the best pass rusher I've ever seen. But Von didn't really play the run. I mean, these are two different species. You know, it, Chase Young has 25 pounds on Von Miller. So they're, they're different there. I, I But we've seen the Dolphins do this before, is what I will say. Remember, they drafted Jake Long. Oh, yeah. They really needed Matt Ryan. But they drafted Jake Long because they needed a left tackle. So I feel like you have to sometimes ignore need and just take the best player. But with this year, where I think Chase Young's going to be number one overall player, Jerry Judy's going to be two, two is going to be three for me, Like the, that, that gap isn't big enough to completely ignore the quarterback. So I think they have to take the quarterback at one, and then look at 10, you can hope that someone like you know, an Isaiah Simmons might be there, or A.J. Epinesa, or we could see a riser. You know, that if the quarterbacks go early, it's going to push someone maybe like Jeffrey Akuda down the board. Grant Delpit could be there. So with three first-round picks, I think you've got to get the quarterback first. Yeah, I understand that. But I think with the Dolphins here, they are bottoming out so poorly right now that this is not a one-year plan. This is probably a two- to three-year plan where if they took Chase Young first overall, I'd give it an A-plus every time because that would just tell me that they've either evaluated the quarterbacks in this class where they feel comfortable with someone at 10th overall, which I don't think I would agree with that, or more importantly, in the 2021 class, they have their eyes on a Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or another quarterback. So 
I look at the situation for Miami, and I think that they're going to you know, lay a foundation here and, and try to build something for a couple of years, not just one year, where if they went in either direction, I can understand what Chris Greer is thinking. And, and I'll jump in before we let Sam read another question here. The, the Browns tried that, remember? They, they passed on the 2017 quarterbacks. Like, we're going to lose for another year because 2018 looks really good, and they didn't survive. They got fired. So I think sure. what Chris Greer... Like you, God, you have to have Stephen Ross has to like sign a blood oath to you, basically that like we're not gonna fuck you if you guys lose for two years in a row because Sashi Brown, I mean, he he had this plan and it, he was executing it and he and he got pushed out. So that's that's where it's tough. And that's where I think the quarterback evaluations come down to it because I'll tell you right now, I won't have a quarterback in this class that has as high a grade as I had on Deshaun Watson. And I thought them passing on him at the time, a few times, was right. a mistake. And it turns out that it probably was a mistake. But if the Dolphins took Chase Young because they said, hey, we just don't think uh, Tua or Joe Burrow are going to be elite passers. They'll be just good ones. Then I can kind of understand. But Matt makes a great point. Job security factors into these decisions more often than not. Quick question for me as an add-on. Yes or no? So one word answer. A Dolphins going 0-16? No. No. The Bengals might, though. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's switch gears a little bit to the 49ers. Are they for real? Matt, I reckon this one's... uh... (laughs) He's just jumping at the bit here. Have you you just been adding questions for yourself? These are just things I want to talk about. The next one's about, is Texas back? Um, Which, God, the answer is no. Um, I think the Niners are for real. 7-0 is hard to do in the NFL. It doesn't matter who you've played, what your schedule looks like. It's really, really hard to do. And I think we're seeing it with... The offense, the run game has been so amazing. I mean, Garoppolo, no, he's not been great this year, but you can't be bad and be 7-0 is my argument. And so beating the Panthers in the way they did, I mean, they completely dismantled that team. And to put up, you know, 50-plus points, the the Niners, yeah, I think they're for real. Now, if they were in the AFC, I don't know if they're better than the Patriots. I don't know if they're better than a healthy Kansas City Chiefs. I don't know if they're better than the Texans. But right now, they're the best team in the NFC. And the defense just continues to get better. So I think you you have to say they're for real. I don't know that they're a Super Bowl favorite at this point. I still think Seattle's going to be really, really tough for them to play. But but they're definitely they're they're very very good. And the Packers, man, the Packers are seven and one right now. So there's there's some good teams out there, not just San Francisco. Yeah, I'm a believer. I think they're at least obviously in the conversation as the best team in the NFC. Not just take away the record, but Matt makes a good point that Green Bay, New Orleans, even Seattle, those teams are great as well. But why you have to believe in the Niners right now, besides the fact they have a great coaching staff on the offensive and defensive sides of the ball that has them prepared every week, they might have the best young defensive player in the NFL right now, Nick Bosa. And that's just a fact. I know it might have been a slow start from OTAs in summer, but what he's done these last couple weeks, he's a difference maker off the edge in the way that guys like Von Miller, Khalil Mack, Miles Garrett, that they've been where they changed the entire game, where if you don't have an above average to premier starting offensive tackle, Nick Bosa is going to eat alive, whoever you're putting out there. And it's not just the jumping interception or the sacks. The jumping interception is just like a freak, a freakish play. But there was a couple of times yesterday where he was winning off the snap and the ball just had to get a good on Kyle Allen for those plays where the ball just had to get out. And because yep. Nick Bosa was getting there in two and a half I seconds. I would say like that, that play is what you do against a pass rusher like him. But when the offensive tackle misses his cut block, you're in trouble. But yeah. like that, that's what you want to do. Kyle Allen had a rough day. I think Nick Bosa and everyone's going to say I'm a homer, but I think there are numbers to back this up and there's definitely film to back it up. I think he's the best defensive end in the NFL right now. I couldn't disagree. He he's might a, win defensive player of the year. If you put it in the month of October 
and now he's fully up to speed. He's come back healthy. Let's not forget, he's a young rookie, and he didn't play much last year. So now you're seeing him get some consistent football snaps under his belt here. Uh, This is why this guy was my number one player. I I mean, he can change the game on his own. He just needs to stay healthy. That's the most important thing with Nick Bosa. But wow, when he's on... Uh, he, I agree with Matt. He's the best defensive end in football right now. I love the NFC at the moment. It's so tight, isn't it? You get like one of the good teams wins. They, they pat themselves on the back. They look round. Oh, everyone else won as well. Right. Like oh, Green Bay exactly. won. Oh, the Vikings keep won. Winning. Oh, New Orleans won. Like oh, the Niners won again. Yeah. Like, it's and just, like the AFC South is the same way. All four teams won you on Sunday, which yeah. is un- unheard of. Yeah, it's really frustrating. As a Lions fan, we're gonna. I reckon we're gonna finish above five hundred, and, and, we're, and we're not even gonna be like in the conversation <laughs> yeah. by the end of it's it. Right. It's very it's, possible. It's, it's kind of heartbreaking. Back to college. Where does Isaiah? Simmons play on defense in the NFL. I just want to hear you say his name over and over again. That was amazing. <laughs> it was good. <laughs> Is that yeah, right? One more time. Yeah. <laughs> Isaiah Simmons. That was good. I like Perfect. it. Uh, I think he just plays defense. I, I know like that's kind of a running joke on this show <laughs> because people are like, where's Miles Jack going to play? Where's Jalen Ramsey going to play? You know, all Shaq these guys. Thompson like, before. Yeah, they're going to play defense. Deion I, Buchanan. I smart teams are going to move Isaiah Simmons around. Not unlike what we've seen Mark Barron do, just at a much higher level of that. And yep. I know this is Mello's guy that he talks about every show. He loves him. He can play slot corner. He can rush off the edge. He can play linebacker. He can play safety. So he's just going to be a defensive weapon, a little bit of a chess piece, which is what we said about Minka Fitzpatrick. Then he goes to Miami, and that kind of falls apart. So there is a little bit of risk in that, but I think Simmons... At 6'4", he's probably going to be about 240 when the draft comes around. I think he's going to be hes going to be really, truly, you can look at him and say, okay, he can play anywhere. Yeah, I would actually go back and watch how Todd Bowles used Jamal Adams in year two, where Jamal is listed as a safety. I mean, he was playing outside linebacker for a majority of the snaps. And when you needed him to go out in the slot and cover a move tight end or play cover two or play as a deep safety, he can do it. But you play him as outside linebacker because it gives your team extra run support, which somebody like Bowles really values. And that's how a defensive coordinator will be pounding the table for Simmons because they love how much of a, you know, really that two way kind of player he is where he can help in coverage, whether he can blitz or rush the passer or stop the run. That's the kind of role he'll have in the NFL where you'll laugh and you'll see him listed at one position. Then you go and watch the coach's film and he's listed at four or five positions. This isn't a Madden player that's just going to be a weak side linebacker. Yeah, he's going to be all over the place. Yep. All right, this one is more open-ended. It could take you an hour as well. How would you fix the Titans? <laughs> uh, well, we're going to do an entire segment on that in a couple of weeks yeah, here. Yeah, we will. I think the basic like basic cover points, I, I think they need to work on the offensive line a lot. Uh, a unit that looked really good three years ago now looks terrible. So I think they need to focus on the offensive line. I know some people there like Ryan Tannehill a lot, like to the point where like they think they might be able to be competitive with him. They're obviously winning some games with him, but if they're in a position to draft a quarterback early, I think they have to do it. Yeah, I mean, you look at this team with Mike Vrabel there, and it kind of, and the perfect landing spot, and you scream Joe Burrow, but I think Joe's outplayed their draft slot already, where it's not even worth the conversation. Now, with Tennessee, it's funny to me, you, like Matt Lafleur didn't have a great offense there. And a lot of people are like, how did this guy, including me, I know, I said, how did he get a head coaching job in Green Bay? And now Green Bay looks phenomenal. So it kind of speaks to the personnel in Tennessee that uh, some of the offense really needs to be turned upside down. And I do think Marcus Mariota was unfortunately holding things back for a while. Uh, They have some pieces at skill players. They have some pieces on the line. But the offense needs a makeover right now. And for me, that just starts with quarterback. And like I said, we'll do a full segment on fixing the Titans where we'll go through 
internal and external free agency, mock drafts, trades, anything that could possibly happen. But I think the most important part of the equation is this team needs a young quarterback that they could start developing. Okay. Penultimate one, bit of retrospection here. Uh, If you had to build a team around one quarterback from the 2018 draft, who would you pick? It's a great I, question right now. I think it's Lamar Jackson. I couldn't agree more. I don't. It's not Josh Rosen. We know that much. Baker Mayfield is really, really struggling right now, and you can point to the offensive line. He's been bad. Let's call he, it what it is. He's just been bad. I mean, yes. You know, Sam Darnold is the biggest roller coaster in the NFL right now. He right. shreds the Cowboys, and then he just bottomed. Bottoming out against New England is fine, but he was he had his pretty bad moments against Jacksonville. He right. had his good moments. They're not blocking. And then Josh Allen is a funny one because he has his good moments throwing the ball, but he's also a fumbling machine. Right. But they keep winning. Like, I, well, they have I know great they defense. They, they did lose um, uh, against Philly. They got blown out by the Eagles. But, but they, yeah, he, that's what's weird. I mean, they're five and two and they're playing a weird brand of football where it's like they know their defense is good enough to cover up most issues. But uh, let's give Lamar Jackson, uh, me especially, because I, I really was not a believer of his. I, I had a late first round grade on him when it all came out. And it was really one of those situations of like this guy has to go to a perfect situation. I really did not think that was Baltimore at the time. John Harwell deserves a ton of credit for shifting his philosophy, running an offense that's very open-ended. And when you talk to guys on defense around the league, they're like, I don't want to play Lamar Jackson. Like, it's just, he's too fast. His deep ball's too beautiful. And yes, there's still things he needs to work on. But if I had to pick one right now to roll with, and, and you're putting your job on the line, I would much rather have Lamar Jackson because, quite frankly, he's not turning the ball over. And Josh Rosen it can't get on the field. Sam Darnold's turned the ball over. Which is worrisome to me because he did it in college too. For sure, that was Josh my biggest is turning concern. the ball over, and then Baker is turning the ball over at a, a clip that is just shocking. I mean, he's shovel passing the ball to defensive tackles right now. It's just, it's not good for for what they're doing. I mean, say what you want about the offensive line, but six touchdowns to twelve interceptions for Baker Mayfield. I know some more drops. Like, I get it, but over the course of eight weeks, you can't blame everything on everyone else. Well, I think what's fearful more, and I loved Baker, so this this hurts for me to say. What's more fearful for Baker rather than Darnold and Josh Allen is Baker's older than those guys. I believe he has two, two plus years on Sam, at least a year or more on, on Allen. And Baker has the best skill guys out of all of them. Yes. I mean, they traded for Odell Beckham. They gave Jarvis Landry a lot of money. Nick Chubb, in my opinion, is one of the best running backs in football. So at the end of the day right now, when you look at it, you're kind of getting fearful. Baker Mayfield handpicked his head coach. Exactly. No one's talking about that. He, he, Freddie Kitchens got that job because of Baker Mayfield. So I don't know what Sam Darnold and Josh Allen are yet. I feel very good about Lamar Jackson, and I still believe in Baker Mayfield. But if you're putting the concern meter on someone right now because of situation, a situation that he essentially built himself, you have to have a little bit of that on Baker Mayfield right now. Yeah, I agree. You want my two cents on Baker? I yeah. would love it. Every time I see him. He hangs onto the ball for like six seconds. Just throw it. Like that works constantly. It works uh, in Big Twelve. I, honestly, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm coming in from a very casual perspective here, but You're he, right he, on, is, he is he is trying to evade pressure to the point where he's trying to throw the Hollywood ball every every two throws, and the amount of the beating he takes. Oh my goodness me! I I watch him and just think, come on, man, just get rid of it. Just save right. your body. Yeah, save your body. But onto the last one. Who are your updated Super Bowl picks? I bet you get that every week, right? No, we, I, so we haven't talked about yeah, it. Yeah, we haven't. We're, we're at the midway point, so it's good to do. I'll tell you, my original uh, from the preseason was Chiefs over Eagles. 
That does not look great right now. Injuries have really hurt the Chiefs. But my runners up are who I'm actually going to go with. Patriots over Saints. Okay. So, so I, I'm going to take the teams that I had losing in the championship games. Those would be my my updated pick. The Saints, I mean, what they've done with Teddy coming in, now that Breeze is back, Michael Thomas is on pace to break the single-season catch record. They'll get Kamara back healthy. The defense is playing fantastic football. So that would be my pick today would be Patriots over Saints. I know I had the Saints winning the Super Bowl at the start over summer, and I still feel like that's what I would go with. I can't remember who I had in the AFC. It had to either be New England, Kansas City, or Baltimore because I picked those three teams to win their division, yeah. and, I, and I really obviously still believe in all three of them. So that wouldn't change for me. This New England defense right now is going to be one hell of a test for two of the best young quarterbacks in football, Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. And it's funny because if the Chiefs, which I think they can, but if they don't win games while Mahomes is out, what if we get a first round of New England and Kansas City? It could happen. It could very well happen, and that would be unbelievable. So, I mean, it feels like Saints-Patriots right now, and, um, man, that would be that would be pretty electric just to get Breeze and Brady and that legendary New England defense right now. Oh, yeah. I mean, something that we were talking about at the pub yesterday is, you know, we talk about Kyle Shanahan. We talk about Sean McVay. We almost forget how great of an offensive coach Sean Payton is, no matter who's out right. there. And that's why guys like Pete Carmichael, Dan Campbell, it's, oh, they're it's surprising not, they're not getting calls. But they just change. stay there. Yeah. That'll great change. use of the word pub there. Have right. to sneak it in. I'm really proud Pints, of this. I'm getting better. Yeah, I've gotten a lot better. Rubbish. Oh, oh no one can say that you haven't embraced our culture, Connor. I mean, <laughs> yeah, tell them how... you were in sensational form yesterday. <laughs> Top form. <laughs> Top I mean, form. tell them about how well I navigate the city. We're barely looking at the GPS at Jeez. this point. Connor knows central London better than I do, and I've lived <laughs> here for five years. I um, lead the pack. Yeah, we went for a went for a walk uh, away from the pub yesterday and i wasn't even quite sure where the tube station was or where i was going but connor definitely knew connor, yeah. connor's just like his internal gps he's actually a cia Although agent. he did, yeah, he, he did lead us down that. some fairly dodgy streets and yes. dodgy roads um <laughs> was it, was some red light districts uh, we don't have he that in london. We, don't, we don't have that in london but it was probably the closest thing you can get to it legally right. in i'm london. all about a shortcut there was a few interesting window displays let's put it that way yeah. Yeah. Con- was... connor knew that route very very well very well not, i snuck right through surprised. best shortcut in the city i'll <laughs> right. tell you that much i'm your guy for that well sam we've had fun thanks for letting us crash your studio today and uh hopefully we'll get to catch up with you again soon man yeah hopefully uh sorry to all the guys again who, who asked great questions yeah they were in awesome the past, yesterday and it, we when it was to get the recording through. Hopefully I did you justice stepping in. You did a great job. Hopefully the country of America and all of your listeners enjoyed my accent. Isaiah Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's our show. Connor and I will be coming to you Wednesday from uh, the BR UK offices where we're going to give you our top 10 mock draft and do a lot of stock watch as well as your draft on draft questions. 